Hey everyone, welcome to the Spoken Gospel Podcast. Just a quick note before today's episode. This summer, we're completing our series of introduction videos with our final season of filming, and we still need to raise about $30,000 to cover those costs, and we would love you to help us with that. And you can do that by visiting the Spoken Gospel website and clicking on Donate. And by doing that, you can contribute to bringing books like the Book of Revelation to life. And whether that's through a one-time gift or a monthly donation, your support makes all the difference in the world. So thank you so much and enjoy today's podcast. What do you build a nation around? Listening to God's voice and sacrificing yourself for others. Yeah. I mean, like, that is the New Testament. That is like, right. That is right? just like so beautiful. Welcome to the Spoken Gospel Podcast. Spoken Gospel is a ministry that's dedicated to speaking the gospel out of every corner of scripture. In Luke 24, Jesus told his disciples that every part of the Bible is about him. In each episode, hosts David and Seth work through a passage of scripture to see how it's all about Jesus and his good news. Let's jump in. Well, welcome everyone to the Spoken Gospel Podcast. Thank you for joining us. We are starting the book of Chronicles today, or for some of you, the books of Chronicles, first and second first Chronicles. and second Chronicles. Seth, how are you feeling about this massive, was Man, it 65 chapter 60, It's the book? 65 chapter black hole in my Bible, yeah. generally. <laughs> it's like, oh, I come across the nine chapters of genealogy at the beginning. I'm like, I'm going to skip I'm gonna that. Move on. And then I get to the next part, and it's just stories I've already read in First and Second Samuel, First and Second Kings. That's right. And so I have not done a ton of study about this book. Which what I think, is, yeah, what is this long genealogy heavy repeated storybook doing in my Bible? That's exactly right. Yeah. That's exactly right. And so I'm not willing to ask that question of myself in my previous, ver re yeah. <laughs> my previous readings through the Chronicles. Um, I got to this time. And I'm actually very excited. Yeah. My best analogy for what the book of Chronicles is doing in okay. our Bibles is that it's the Hamilton the musical oh uh, like the Lin-Manuel Miranda musical yeah it's the Hamilton of our Bibles <laughs> I, I have every question <laughs> explain um, yourself so first of all both Chronicles and Hamilton starts off with the genealogy uh oh yeah Hamilton's is a little more His interesting is short and it's <laughs> musical like, yeah it's like and he uses the technical term here so I'm not swearing but how does a bastard orphan son of a whore and a Scotsman dropped off at a forgotten spot in the middle of Caribbean grew up to be a hero and a scholar. Yes. And what's interesting about that genealogy in Hamilton is it gives you who he is, where he's from. He's a nobody from nowhere. Mm -hmm. And what he'll become. He'll become a hero and a scholar. Yep. And it tells you the entire point of the musical, which is that anybody from anywhere can become anything in America. In America. In America, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. It's like an orphan can become, can yep. create a nation. Right. And that's the story of Hamilton. And you get that from this genealogy that's at the right. beginning. And we'll go into deep detail on how the the genealogy in Chronicles does the same thing, but it gives us a picture of how Israel came to be, but how Israel should act in the future. Okay. So is the only way that Hamilton and Chronicles are the same because they both start with the genealogy? No, they're the also both, uh, well, Hamilton's obviously musical, but Chronicles is the book of the Bible that has probably the most references to music, musical instruments, and singing than any other book. I would have never guessed that. Yeah, it is, in fact, it's the very center of the genealogy. You have nine chapters of genealogy. Oh, okay, yeah. The very, very center, the center of its chiasm. Yeah, which for a Hebrew reader is, is the, the most, important, most important thing. Yeah. Are priestly singers. What? Singers are the most important characters in the book, or why, some of the most important characters. Why, why music and instruments and singing? Uh, well, there's a whole oh, bunch of oh answers no. for that. Is but it too, I mean, too early for that question? Basically, the reason why, it's a little early, but we'll answer it. Okay. The reason why is, according to the book of Chronicles, singing is how you get guidance from God. Singers are called prophets, Whoa. and singing is called prophecy. Okay. And kings rise or fall in Israel based on their response to God's word in the mouth of the prophets whether or not they ask God for advice yep. and they listen to it. So the very center of the genealogy are all these singing prophets directing the kings of mm. Israel on how they should behave and how they should lead their nation. That's cool. And if they fail to do that, their nation falls apart. If they do do that, their nation 
huh succeeds okay so the genealogy tells us how a nation should act ah uh, with it with prophets singing the direction and word of the lord at its center yes and kings listening to it and kings listening to it yes it will it, the, yeah okay we'll, so, get, we'll, we'll go we'll, more. we'll go we'll go more in there but okay. like, it proves the point of the whole book it's like as kings listen to the voice of the lord mm. they have success okay any other similarities uh yeah oh, uh <laughs> they're both about a founding father of a nation okay so Hamilton's obvious, but Alexander Hamilton. Alexander Hamilton. Hamilton. That's right. Yep. First Chronicles opens with a genealogy, but after the genealogy, all of Ch First Chronicles, the rest of First Chronicles, yeah. is about David's rise to power. Ah, and so it's chronicles the entire rise of power to David, how he becomes mm. king, how he gets a capital city, how he gets a covenant from God, and how he is the ideal king who listens to the voice of God. Mm, okay. Founding uh, Father David. Founding Father David. Great. Um, and then you get the pinnacle of his reign and his son, Solomon. At the very top of the, the book is Solomon's reign. Yeah. And interestingly, he's the only king who's never critiqued for something he does wrong. Solomon? Or Solomon is. Oh, strange. Yeah. He did a lot of things wrong. Very interesting, yeah, which okay. gets to our next point of similarity between Hamilton There's more. and Chronicles. Yeah, is that they present an idealized vision uh. Of Israel's history. Yeah, first and second kings are not idealized at all. No, they're all the warts and all the bad things yeah. the kings of Israel do are present there. Yeah, highlighted even. Yeah, and, yeah. and particularly in David and Solomon. Mm -hmm. um, and David and Solomon are portrayed as the highest points and the highest ideals to which Israel should aspire to be like. Okay, and, and how's so, that similar to Hamilton? Because similar to Hamilton in that Hamilton presents an idealized picture, a selection of facts mm. about Alexander Hamilton. Oh, sure. Yeah. And even the way that like all of the characters are people of color or African-American, which is everyone knows that that's George Washington was not oh, a black sure. man. It's, it's like you have, and they were slave owners. And they were slave owners. Yeah. But they paper over those facts. Why? Yeah. Because they're making a different point right now. Yeah. That anybody from anywhere can be anyone. I see. It's an America. idealized thing. It's an idealized picture of America yeah. to prove a point. And which is which is like beautiful and which, really cool. Right. If, okay. So you're supposed to look past the things you already know wrong mm. about Solomon and David. Yeah. And some of David's failures are included. Sol none of Solomon's are. Interesting. Isn't it fascinating? Okay. But they want you to focus on the main point. Yeah. Solomon is this high picture of a king who listens to God hmm. and experiences God's blessing as a result. Who okay. has peace on every side, yeah. there's no enemies, he's wealthy. This is yeah. a picture of what a king looks like when they listen to God well. Okay, any other similarities? Um, I'm sure there are, but any, that, any other uh, big ones? Yeah, I think the, the main point is it, it has a moral point it's oh, making. Oh, okay. Right? So like the moral point of Hamilton is like, if you put in the hard work. Ah, yes you can be anything any you can build a nation right work hard and you can build a nation yep. in the book of chronicles the message is if you listen to god uh, god will build your nation for you okay that's and, cool and that is important because of when chronicles is written mm. so first and second kings and first and second samuel were written more than likely while israel's in exile okay so after the Assyrians drove out the northern kingdom. The Babylonians drove out the That's southern right. kingdom of Judah. They're in exile, scattered among the nations. That's right. And, and this is this a product is of their sin, right? They yep. failed God. And they're asking the question, why are we here? Why would God do this to us? And so highlighting yep. the sins of Israel is important because yep. it's like, oh, I understand why I'm here. Why and I'm here. then what happens the book of Kings over and over again? God shows mercy, mercy. to people. That you would never expect. That you would never expect to get, have mercy to. Yeah. And what do you need if you're in exile? Mercy. You need mercy. Yeah. Why is it when Israel's in exile in the book of First Kings, and they're mm. reading the story, that you have the first stories of resurrection? Because oh, Israel as a nation has died, died. and they need the message of resurrection. Well, that's cool. Chronicles wasn't written to people in exile. Mm. Israel has come back from exile. More than likely, they've rebuilt the temple. Okay. They've been in Israel for a little while, and now they're asking the question, well, how do we rebuild our nation? Mm. So they're not in exile, they're rebuilding. I see. And so the chronicler is writing to a people who are rebuilding and asking really fundamental questions about how to rebuild their nation. Well, how should we do it? We don't want to repeat the sins of the past, so what do we do now? And depending on who I've, a couple of people I've read, is like, there might have been a sense that as they're rebuilding Israel, that they should abandon a couple of things that were really important to Israel in the past, hmm. namely the Davidic line and the temple itself. Oh, okay. Yeah. Because think about it. Why did Judah end up going to exile? Because of a son of David on a throne introducing idolatry into the land. Right. 
So over and over again throughout Israel's history. And what did David do wrong? He he slept with Bathsheba yep. and his failures as a leader then poisoned right. the rest of Israel's history. Isn't this whole son of David thing shot now? Right. Shouldn't we give up on it? That's right. It's like God did promise something special to David, right. but all of David's sons have proved to be less than worthy people to follow. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. It, seems, uh, it could seem like that. It yep. could seem like that. And the, even the temple itself was supposed to provide a level of protection, mm -hmm. right? Like if they've prioritized the temple, wasn't supposed to be something magical about that that right, protected yeah. them. But and they it, had a temple. And, and it failed them. And it failed them. Yeah. And even in Ezra and Nehemiah, when they rebuilt the temple, what do all the old men do when they see it? They cry because it wasn't as grand as the one that came before it. Right. So Israel's rebuilding their nation after being, spending a long time in exile. Mm. They're asking, by what standards should we rebuild our nation? What stories from our founding fathers should we listen to? Which ones should we ignore? Mm. Because the first version of our history did not go so well. Right. And so the chroniclers writing to these people particularly to leaders of people, and he's saying, okay, let me teach you what was good about our founding fathers mm. so that we can copy their successes while avoiding their mistakes. Oh, that's helpful. Yeah. that's And that's the reason for the idealized picture. That's right. It's okay. like, we all know the problems. They're de they're like tempted to throw off these things, perhaps. Yes. We know the problems, but what do we know? What good things do we know happened right. during that time? Yeah, God has answered the mercy that first and second kings cried out for and exampled That's right. That's by right. bringing us out of exile back into the land rebuilding the temple uh even giving us someone like zerubbabel possibly and others who are yep. from david's line maybe something cool is happening yep. that's answered but now can we trust the line of david can we trust the temple yep these seem to be a mixed bag in our history let's have the chronicler tell a, the different story, the other side of the coin, and highlight the good things about Israel's yes. history. So we're like, oh, this isn't worth giving up. That's right. It is, there is good, there's gold in it, and I can trust it, and I can follow the example of it. That's right. Okay, I'm tracking. Yeah, and so, and the message the chronicler is gonna give us over and over and over again is that when a son of David mm -hmm. centers Israel around the priesthood, Yeah. God's people are given rest. Okay. So that's the okay. big main point. All right. Where the son of David yeah. centers Israel around the priesthood, God's people get rest. Okay. I Can we drill into those? Yes, please. Okay. Because uh, we've talked a lot about the line of David already. And yes. I'm like, okay, some people might be lost just right there. Okay. So let's back up. Why is David so important? What is this promise that God made to him? Maybe we okay, rewind okay, okay. and go back to 2 Samuel 7. Yes. Kind of talk about uh, that. Yeah, it's interesting. Like we get that story in Chronicles again. Okay. We're given that promise. But essentially the story goes this way. David proves he's a faithful warrior willing to fight mm -hmm. on God's behalf and for Israel. He proved himself better than Saul, mm -hmm. who was the, Israel's first king. Right. And when he finally comes to power, he does a whole bunch of really, really great things following God yeah. as he's as he's leading. Lots of military victories, a lot of great things. At one point, David wants to build and make permanent God's temple. Because at that point, it was just a tent. It was the tabernacle, the that wilderness right. tabernacle that was mobile and Yep, and it was, a it was a long way away from the new capital, Jerusalem. Oh, yes, it was in, I can't in remember Gibeon. It was. In Gibeon, okay. And so it's like anytime that David wanted to ask God for advice, <laughs> it's like a several-mile trip, like an all-day, multiple-day trip yeah. just to ask God for advice. Okay. He wants to be a good king. He wants to listen to God more consistently. Mm -hmm. So he wants to bring God's presence closer to him yep. uh, to, to put, the new center of Israel. Wants to put the temple by the palace. Yes, that's right. Okay. Uh, we'll get into some more of those details. In okay. And God basically hears that and says like, I haven't asked for that, yeah. but your heart's right. Okay. You want to ask me more frequently, but here's what I'm going to do in response to your good heart. Mm -hmm. I'm going to make you, David, the forefather of an eternal king. Yeah. You will never not have a king on the throne. And he is the person who will build my house for me in Jerusalem mm -hmm. and who will rule forever, the earth yeah. forever, Jerusalem forever, right. God's people forever. And so David has given this amazing promise that his line, his dynasty will save the world one yeah, day. Yeah, that someday one of his sons, presumably even maybe the next son, Solomon, Solomon right. would be an eternal king over the whole world That's right. to bring what you said, peace on every side. That's right. That's okay. right. So that's the that's what's important about the line of David is that attached to David yes. there is this huge promise from God 
yeah. that from him there would be an eternal king that would rule right. forever and everywhere. Yes. And Israel's crying out for that to be true right. because they want peace on every side. They want security. So that's what's attached to the line of David. That's right. But then you also said, so someone from the line of David. Right. And, and remember, these the people Chronicles written to might be tempted to say those promises no longer apply. Oh, okay, Because David's right. line's been so catastrophically sinful. Yes. And they were the ones who sent us into exile, right? Mm. Wasn't Manasseh on the throne? Wasn't a son of David on the throne? Right. That got us sent out of Israel in the first mm. place? Why should he be on the throne? Yeah. And the answer is kind of the book of Kings. Well, God's promised mercy right. to somebody from David. Yeah. Uh, but so, then Chronicles is going to come along and add fuel to that yes. and say, also, David wasn't all bad. He wasn't like, all bad. Let's rewind the clock back. And, and like remember our actual yeah. history when David was faithful, we had peace. Yeah. And we had wealth. Right. And we can, we God was with there. us. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So a uh, son of David centered around the priest. Centers Israel around the priesthood. Okay. Talk, me, talk to me about that. It might be helpful to just start talking about the genealogy okay. at this point. I mean, that's is, I've never heard some, I've never asked for clarity for something. <laughs> and then the answer was, great, I can answer that question. Let's talk about a genealogy. Uh, <laughs> maybe this won't be helpful. But I bet you're right. <laughs> um, so the genealogy is, like all genealogies, have a, has a ton of effort and care put into how it's structured. Yes. And so this genealogy in the book of Chronicles is a chiasm mm -hmm. or a mountain. Yep. It has parallel moments on either side of the genealogy. And at the very, very top is a priesthood. Okay. So the way, here's the way the genealogy works. On the outer edges, in chapters 1 and then in chapters 9. Oh, my goodness. It's a have, long genealogy. <laughs> in chapter 1, you have Israel's history before its kingdom. Before there is ever a king, before there's ever a kingdom, you get Israel's history. Okay. Chapter 1. At the very end, in chapter 9... Oh, and it starts with Adam. It starts with Adam, oh. all the way back in the beginning. You weren't kidding. No. Are, are you just bringing this up because you're the second name? I am the second Seth. name. Adam, Seth. <laughs> <laughs> and the chapter 9 is a genealogy of all the people who come back to Israel after exile. So after the kingdom period. Okay. So on either end of the genealogy, you got pre and post kingdom people. The next person in the list is the tribe of Judah which is the kingly tribe that David's from, okay? Okay. And then paralleling that on the other side of the genealogy is the tribe of Benjamin, which is King Saul's line, the first king of Judah. Okay? Okay. With me so far? And when you say the next in the list, you're saying like the next parallel moment. Yeah, so you have the, on either side for the, our, for our video, <laughs> video people, you've got pre and post kingdom. Right. Then you've got the line of David and the line of Saul is first king and the second king. Okay, okay, okay. Then you have all the other tribes, yep. genealogies, names of all the other tribes. And at the very, very top, you have the priesthood. The, is that the, the Levites, tribe of Levi? The tribe okay. of Levi. Yep. That and makes sense. Yep. And in the yeah. middle of Levi, you have this, the singers. Okay. The singers. That yes. makes a ton of sense. Right? Yep. And so I guess the question is why focus on the priesthood? Right, right. The point of the genealogy is to show you that all of Israel's history is bent towards the priesthood. Mm. And it's actually presenting an ideal of how Israel should structure itself. Mm. It should lean towards the center, which should be the priesthood. Yeah. Think all the way back to the book of Exodus and Numbers and Deuteronomy. Right. The tabernacle, the place of God's presence, was in the middle of the camp, and mm -hmm. all of the tribes were organized around it in circles yes, around it. I remember that. Right? Yep. So this is the way God's people have always meant to organize themselves. Right, and the Levites were the closest. And the Levites were the closest. Right. They were the tribe responsible for caring for the temple. That's right. So I don't, I don't know if this is answering your question, but the book of Chronicles mm -hmm. believes that at the center of Israel should be the priesthood. I think I think that, I mean, that makes total sense of like, oh, it's definitely setting up that category. Yep. What does it mean ah. to center Israel around a priesthood? Okay, so two very specific things. Mm -hmm. One, as I've already said, at the very center of the priesthood are singers, priestly singers, musical instruments and singers. Yep. And and the singers, just for a refresh for me, Chronicles teaches us that the singers are proclaiming God's word and way to the people. Uh, yeah. In First Chronicles 25, if you want to jump there, David organizes 4,000 musicians. Um, <laughs> it's like Woodstock. Yeah. At, at the very center of Israel are four, like, lists of thousands and thousands of oh my prophetic musicians. David and the chiefs of the service also set apart for the service the sons of Asaph and of Haman and of Jedithan, who prophesied with lyres, with harps, and with cymbals. The list of those who did the work of their duties uh, was Asaph, Zachar, Joseph, Nathaniel, continue, 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 who prophesied 
under the direction of the kings. And it mm. says the same thing a verse later. The purpose of the priest of these singers in the middle is not simply to offer thanks thanks to God, mm. which is what I normally think of singing. When right. I think of singing, yeah. it's like I'm responding to God's love to me. Yeah. I'm telling him that he's worthy of praise, which mm-hmm. I think that was happening. Yeah. But for Israel, the priestly singers represent the voice of God. Uh, they represent yeah. direction. Over and over again, David prays or kings pray asking what they should do about battle plans. Mm-hmm. Should we attack them? Should we not attack them? Who do they go to when they have that question? Is it a quiet moment with God in their study? No, they go to the temple and the 4,000 musicians say, here's the problem. What does God say? Mm-hmm. And as they're playing their music, God speaks to the prophets, the priestly musicians. Yeah. If you remember the story where like God sends a lying spirit oh. to Ahab's 400 oh. prophets. Yes, I do. He Ahab lives in northern Israel. This is all about southern Israel okay, right now. Yeah. And he's created another temple system. Mm-hmm. And in the middle of that temple system is what? The same thing Israel has. 400 singing prophets mm. who give him direction on what he should do. This is the way kings made decisions. Yes. Presumably. Or at least Israel's kings should yeah, have made absolutely, yep. decisions. They appeal to the prophets. Mm-hmm. So... The point, one of the reasons why the priesthood is the center of Israel and mm-hmm. must be at the center of Israel is because good kings listen to God's voice and obey it. Yeah. And it reminds me of when I, when we were, when we were first talking about the story of David and the temple, you, you surprised me a couple of times with yeah. how you described it. Because yeah. you described it uh, as his impetus for wanting to build it yeah. was he wanted to be closer to getting answers from yes. God. Like going right. to him and asking questions. That's I was right. like, that's an interesting way to talk about the temple like so the first thing i think about when i think about that's the tabernacle right. although in the story of moses that's the first use of it was yeah. the tent of meeting yeah and it was a place to meet god to be with him face to face to hear his voice to receive instruction mm-hmm. i mean you know all and that kind of stuff think about the pillar of fire that rests on the temple yes before it was a pillar of fire that rested or a pillar of cloud what did it do it was a guide it was a guide it yeah. guided people through the wilderness so mm-hmm. this is one of the first reasons for a temple to exist is to give guidance to God's people and in particular its kings. Okay. Does the inverse of that answer the question like why is everything messed up is because we're not listening to God's voice. That's that's exactly right. So we get the very first story after the genealogy we're told is actually about King Saul. Oh, okay. And King Saul, we open after the genealogy, we're really bored. Uh, chapter 10 opens. Your and, board. Uh, I'm loving this. <laughs> and King Saul's in the middle of the battle. Okay. And he's losing. You just he's, jump in. You just, just jump in. in. And all of a sudden an arrow is shot and he gets pierced. Yeah. And he commits suicide. Right. And then we're told why he dies this way. Because he did not listen to the voice of the Lord and did not inquire of God. He didn't ask God for advice. Poor Saul doesn't get an idealized version, does no, he? he did not. <laughs> and instead of listening to God, what did he do? He consulted a necromancer. He did, yes, he so, did. The, the very witch first of Endor. Sto- uh, the witch of Endor. The very first thing we're told, the first story we're told is like of a king who doesn't do it and he dies. He, he implodes. He self-destructs. Right. He commits suicide. Whoa. So think about you're building a nation. Yeah. Chronicler wants to tell you, what's the fastest way to kill your nation? Don't listen to God. Yes. Whoa. To not listen to God is suicide. That's uh, too good. Th- that's that's, the, that's okay. the first story. Man, I'm like, <laughs> I mean, you're blowing my mind <laughs> on so many levels. But one is just like the drama of it all. Right? You know, it's like, okay, Chronicles, genealogy, gene- battle, suicide, huge point. And I'm like, yeah. oh my gosh, <laughs> what? Okay. All right. You have a, a son of David who centers Israel around the priesthood and its singer so that they can listen to the voice of God. That's right. Can we keep on the priesthood? Okay. Yep. Yep. So there's one other thing that the priesthood does. Okay. It offers sacrifices. Yeah, that's what I. That's the. That's the one I, you were. That's I what was everyone's expecting. expecting. That. Yeah, that is also a very big part. Okay. Of what it means to center Israel's life around the priesthood. Okay. It's supposed to center its life around sacrifices, and I think more, maybe more specifically than focusing around sacrifices, mm-hmm. it's supposed to center its uh, nation around the forgiveness of sins. Oh. That's okay. what sacrifice does. Yeah, totally. It, it, it offers thanks to God. Yeah. But in particular, it's a place where forgiveness of sins is offered. Mm. And the reason I say that more in particular is when Solomon finally Mm -hmm. builds the temple and he dedicates it, he prays over the dedication of the temple. Right, yep. And he gives us a seven-part prayer. Yes. Seven different parts. And every part of the prayer is about asking for forgiveness. Oh. 
if we fail and do this, if there's a famine in the land, if this happens, right. what, what can Israel do? They can pray towards the temple. Mm. They can ask for forgiveness and God will hear them. Yeah. And he will respond in mercy. Right. And again, what, why is Israel in exile? Because they, they stopped right. asking God for forgiveness. They yeah. assumed they were right in the way that they were ruling and right. they were not. That was what was so radical about Daniel because Daniel actually repented. He yes. was like, oh, we have sinned and he mm -hmm. repents. And it mm -hmm. was like a big deal. That's right. But Israel hasn't typically done that in certain seasons. Yeah. And so forgiveness of sins. I'm, so, I'm wondering what, like the coming back from exile, being yeah. in the land, mm -hmm. questioning the Davidic line, questioning the temple, and then having a book that says, you're not listening to the voice of God. That's suicide. Listen to God's voice. Remember the line of David. Remember the importance of the temple mm -hmm. or the nation's going to die. Yep. That makes sense to me. Um, what else is on the line? Because it's like, and maybe I'm just skipping over the yeah, whole yeah. exile thing too quickly. Yeah. Uh, but it's like, is there anything else that would provide that ache in people's heart for that forgiveness that Chronicles focuses on? I think it might be more of like the people have forgotten they need forgiveness. Oh, okay, So it's like they yeah. forgot they needed a son of David. Oh, right. right. It's like they're skeptical of the son of David being able to life. What, what good does forgiveness do me when Egypt has 30,000 chariots right. outside? Yeah. What good, what good is forgiveness? Yeah. What good is a, what good's a temple when what I really need is guns? Okay, yeah, this is making more sense because you were saying that there were two big things that people in this time were questioning. They were questioning the line of David and mm -hmm. they were questioning the need for the temple. Mm -hmm. And focusing and centering on the priests solves both of those. That's right. Because they are the singers who prophesy the word of God mm -hmm. and you need a king from the line of David who will listen to them and mm -hmm. do the will of God like David did That's right. and restore the fortunes of Israel. That's right. But they also, the priests, not only sing, they also function as the mediators of sacrifice and forgiveness of sins. Mm -hmm. And it's showing them that if they don't uh, repent, pursue the forgiveness of sins, they're going to go right back into exile. That's right. You can't build a nation upon sin. We saw how that worked last time. So yeah. the priests affirm the line of David through speaking the words of God through prophecy, and they affirm the need for the temple through the sacrificial system and the need for yeah. the forgiveness of sins. Yes. It reinforces both the things that they're questioning. That's right. Okay. That's helpful for me. Um, I, I feel like I'm going to steal from a future episode, Ooh. but what's really interesting about the place the temple is built on we get a new story in Chronicles about David's sin. Mm -hmm. it's, it's actually, it's, the story is the same. He has that sinful census that he takes oh, at the yes. end of Samuel. Right. We get some new color for that story in Chronicles. He commits the sin. He takes a census. Mm -hmm. God gives him a choice of three different punishments. Right. And he chooses to throw himself on God's mercy. Yeah. And after several days of experiencing this plague that God is sending. David sees in the clouds the angel of the Lord with a sword drawn coming towards Jerusalem to kill it. Whoa. David runs out to meet this angel of the Lord. Okay. At this uh, threshing floor at this, this, this farmer's house. Okay. And God tells him to build an altar there. <laughs> okay. He makes a sacrifice. Yes. And he says that this is my fault. The reason why this is all happening mm. is because I did that census thing. I did that census thing. So God, if you're going to punish somebody, punish me, not Israel, yeah. not Jerusalem. Right. And then the angel of the Lord uh, puts the sword back in his sheath and he walks away. Whoa. And then that place, that threshing floor, that farmer's land is the place where the temple's built. Oh. It's, and you know where it is? No. Mount Moriah. Oh, the same place Abraham yes. was supposed to sacrifice his son and God stopped him. Yeah. David was going to offer himself. God stops him too. Uh, and it's in this place of like substitution. Yes. That the nation is supposed to center itself around. Because it's the place of sub substitutionary sacrifice. That's right. It's like when you have a king mm. willing to sacrifice himself mm. for the good of his people. Wow. That's where you should build your life around. I know who that sounds like. Yeah, all right. Yeah. All right. <laughs> and like think about that even as like symbolic of a nation. It's like, yeah. what do we build our nation around? Listening mm. to God's voice and sacrificing for the sake of others. Yeah. So that's what you build your nation around, Israel. Oh, man. That's why the temple's there. <laughs> Anyway. Okay, hold on. So I got to say that. <laughs> I have to say that again. What do you build a nation around? Listening to God's voice and sacrificing yourself for others. Yeah. I mean, like, that is the New Testament. That is like, right. That uh, is right? just, like, so beautiful. Okay. But before I go full 
full yes. on there. Can I move on to the third part of yes, your summary that's statement? Right. Okay. So I think I understand we need a king from the line of David who will center Israel on the priests. And now I understand why that's important. So that there might be, you said, peace on every side. Yeah, rest or peace. Rest or peace. Or, yeah. okay. What's going on there? Why that? Well, I mean, when you are a fledgling nation mm-hmm. surrounded by enemies <laughs> yeah. who want to take over your land to plunder your resources and steal your farmland, yeah. what do you want as a nation? To n- not have that happen? Right. <laughs> uh, and what do you want for your people? You want them to experience a level of prosperity. That security. They don't, security. You yeah. don't want to have them worrying if their crops are going to get stolen by the Philistines next week. Right. You want peace on every side. You right. want rest. Yeah. The message of Chronicles is that when kings focus their efforts around centralizing that priesthood, mm-hmm. God's people are given rest. Enemies are defeated frequently without ever raising a sword. Right. Prosperity grows. Mm-hmm. Like there's more wealth in the land. Other nations just start giving money and animals and things to Israel as tribute mm. uh, because they recognize the superiority of Israel. Right. They're bowing to Israel without ever Israel ever, ever having to raise their sword. Mm. This is what it looks like when a nation listens to God yeah. and builds themselves around self-sacrifice and forgiveness. Yeah, that the makes world sense. responds. The world mm. is drawn towards it. They respect you for it and you I have see. peace on every side. And it doesn't just, it's not only talking about um, enemies aren't crossing into our borders. What you've described is that the peace that is established at our borders actually creates peace outside of our borders. That's that right. The surrounding nations, they actually start to That's experience right. peace too, that Israel's main export should be peace. That's right. Which is why David is not allowed to build the temple. Oh, because he was a man of war. Because he was a man of war. I remember that. And it's inappropriate for a man whose first stories we hear about is him killing bears in the wilderness. And then he's able to behead a giant. Yeah. And then he's this great general who kills his tens of thousands. Yeah. It's inappropriate for a man gifted in war. the necessary battle mm. that had to happen to make yeah. Israel establish a nation to build the place that's supposed to broker peace with the nations. Right. It's inappropriate. Because the peace of God isn't earned by war. Right. Yeah. And what's really interesting about Solomon, when he finally gets his moment in the sun, he never completes any battles. Hmm. He never goes to war. Yeah. And if he grew up under his father, it's likely he never, even growing up, he never had to go to war. He never had to prove himself as a general, as a fighter. Yeah. Because his father won all the battles before he was needed to. Right. So he's a man of peace. Wow. I mean, that's fascinating. I mean, it reminds me of two things. Obviously, I probably, one is I think peace on every side goes back to Joshua. Yes, that's right? right. That's right. Yeah. And like they're coming in. Israel's coming in after Moses dies. They come into the promised land and they have to go to war and they have to drive out the Canaanites. But even sometimes they don't ever have to lift a sword like at Jericho and yeah, some other places. Right. Like they don't have to do anything. They just trust God. They listen to his voice. Should we go here? What should we mm-hmm. do? And God brings peace and victory um, so that he could establish a nation and it could grow and export peace. That's right. Then it also reminds me of, obviously, the Garden of Eden, where it's this place of peace, this place of rest, and it's marked by this Sabbath rhythm of the seventh day, where there is rest, you know, on the seventh day, Mm -hmm. God rested, and there's, like, this perpetual rest that was supposed to permeate the Garden of Eden, and Chronicles starts with the name Adam, and I'm like... Am I supposed to have those things in my you, head? You totally are. Okay. You totally yeah. are. Well, one, multiple times, David seems to be a new type of Moses figure. Okay. He even talks to Solomon as if he's Joshua. One of the most famous things oh. that Moses says to Joshua is be strong and courageous. David says the exact same words to Solomon. Oh, that's cool. Um, and yet Solomon doesn't go and be strong and courageous by doing what Joshua did. That's right. And going to war. He does something he, uh, else. <laughs> I was reading one commentator. He said... What Solomon does is sapiential imperialism. What on earth does that mean? <laughs> he said, instead of raising a sword, he conquers with wisdom. Oh, is that what sapiential means? Sapiential means like okay. related to wisdom. And then so imperialism, uh, imperialism of wisdom. The imperialism. Uh, and I was like, interesting. Uh, the headiest way to say it. <laughs> I just appreciated it. Uh, <laughs> you would. That's good. Okay. And so is the main point of there being peace on every side... I think I, I think I can okay. get confused with yes. peace on every side. Uh, is the main point of having peace on every side the protection of Israel or the founding and expansion of like a new world order? What's what's Chronicles yeah, yeah, yeah. take? Because I know both are true. 
I think whenever we get to Solomon, yeah, as I said, he's never explicitly critiqued. Mm. He's supposed to represent Israel at its best, yeah. at its highest ideal. You have a son of David listening to the voice mm -hmm. of God. He's built uh, the place for listening to God right in the middle of the entire country. The nations flock to him. Because of his sapiential right. imperialism. Multiple Gentiles are mentioned. <laughs> yep. They're converting okay. to faith in the God of Israel. I see. They're giving him money. This is a picture of the yeah. world as it's meant to be. So the answer is, yeah. at the the high point of the book of Chronicles, it's ideal for what peace on every side looks like. That's right. Is not just about Israel. It's about the nations. That's right. Okay. That's right. Okay. Yeah. That's helpful. Okay. So we have... Which, by the way... Okay, yeah, almost uh, there is the original hope for Israel. When God yes. came to Abraham, yes. he said like, I'm going to bless you so that all, all the nations. world can be blessed mm -hmm. through you. Right. And so Solomon is doing that. The whole world is being blessed by the reign of a son of David who listens to God's voice. Yeah, man, that's so good. So this is the, this is your summation of Chronicles. <laughs> it's very helpful. Uh, there's uh, the chronicler is writing to a people who have returned from exile and are questioning uh, the need for the line of David and the need for the temple. And the chronicler is like, "Sit down, kid. I'm going to tell you the story of our people yeah. in an idealized way to show you one main point that you need a king from the line of David." that will center Israel around the priesthood mm -hmm. so that there can be peace on every side. Yeah. I mean, that is helpful. Yeah. Okay. And what happens is, so you get the genealogy. Yep. Proves that same point by yes. pointing everything <laughs> towards the middle. You get the David rising to power, the Alexander Hamilton uh -huh. moment. Where here's, he here's the king of David. And he basically prepares Solomon mm -hmm. to inherit the ideal kingdom. Right. And he and he gets there by listening to the voice of God. That's right. Yeah, That's yeah, right. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then when he doesn't mm -hmm. listen to the voice of God, he's immediately punished for that. Mm. He repents. He changes. Yep. And the kingdom continues to expand. Forgiveness of sin yep. is important. The priests That's are right. important. Okay. Solomon is here as the ideal of what Israel could be. Is that the end of First Chronicles? That's the uh be Second Chronicles one and nine. Okay. Got is it. Is the, the ideal reign of Solomon. Okay. And then Solomon dies. Okay. Right, because everyone yep. knows Solomon dies. Yeah, um, and then the rest of Chronicles, Second Chronicles, chapters ten to thirty-six, are case studies mm. in Israel's other kings, proving that central point: mm. as kings either reject the Davidic line or fail to center the priesthood, mm -hmm. Israel dissolves. It okay. self-implodes. It commits suicide. Yeah. It starts to eat itself. I see. And as kings either obey or disobey, they're rewarded or punished within the space of their lifetime. Mm -hmm. And that's the whole rest of the book. The majority of Second Chronicles is proving to us the main point the author's saying, that yeah. if you don't focus yourself around the temple or a son of David, Israel implodes. Okay. And so when you when we talk about Chronicles being an idealized retelling, yeah, um, we kind of mean two things. It sounds like, and I mean that means one thing. Yeah, but yeah. so one would be like this ideal David and this ideal Solomon, mm -hmm. where we're going to gloss over most of the bad details mm -hmm. and focus on the good in order yep. to to show you what God intended Israel to be. Yep. And then on the back end, ideal seems to mean that in a perfect universe. It's a zero in one game that when you obey, good things mm -hmm. happen. When you disobey, bad things happen. That's right. When you listen, good things happen. When you don't listen, bad things happen. When yeah. you honor the temple, good things happen. When you don't, bad things happen. Yeah. And it's ideal in, in the sense that it's analog like that. That's right. It's like proverbial. Yeah. yeah. And if you go back to the book of Kings, you'll have kind of the opposite because the focus is yes. mercy. It's so much more gray. So Ahab. I remember us being so confused sometimes. Right. Ahab will commit a sin. Right. He'll be told that God will destroy his whole family. Yeah. But 10 chapters goes by before any of that happens. Right. And in fact, good things happen to him. Good things and happen like, to what him. What in the world? Because the point is to show mercy Long in, suffering. in the middle of judgment. Yeah. But Chronicles teaches us that when you listen to the voice of God, mm -hmm. battles are won. Yeah. Farms don't get burned by Philistines. Like <laughs> tribute starts coming in from the nations. Yeah. People start believing in the God of Yahweh for the first time. Mm -hmm. Like that's what happens when kings listen. Yeah. And, it wants to, and the chronicler wants to prove that over and over and over again to this new generation rebuilding Israel. Yeah, this is totally getting behind in the text. Yes. But 
kind of my last big question, and then I want to get to how is all this about Jesus, mm-hmm. is um, what do you think that the Chronicler's aim was, his hope for this book was for that audience? What did he? What would he hope that they would do next? Yeah. What would obedience to Chronicles look like in their context? I think, I think Chronicles. Um, it's interesting. You can't write the book of Chronicles without having some pretty significant access to the royal records. Okay. So you have genealogies stretching back hundreds of years. Yeah. You have books. There's only one place you keep books in ancient Israel. Hmm. It's in the temple. Hmm. It's in the, the, the palatial structure. The only people who had access to documents like this were royal historians. Okay. So the chronicler is a royal historian hmm. speaking to the leadership of Israel. Okay. Right. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, so like that's that's what would a royal historian be like today? Like what would be um, our analog? Like would it be like a a, a a political biography writer or it might be, but I think we popularize so since everybody reads and since yeah. books are so common, everybody can anybody can write history provided yeah. you have the credentials. Yeah, and the, the information expert, and the information yeah. to do so. But like he's a pretty privileged person to have access to all this information. Mm-hmm. But any history is making a point about right. what to do or what not to do. Right. And since he's a royal historian, his is very much focused on the activity and his hope for the kings. Yeah, the, the next the, the next generation of leadership in yeah. Israel. Okay. Obviously this has import for like regular regular yeah. guys and girls in Israel. Right. They should listen to the voice of God. Right. They should go to the temple. They should build their lives around uh forgiveness and self substitution. Mm. Uh but it's also a tale for kings. It's a tale for kings. Yeah. Like do you want to build a nation like David did? Mm-hmm. Do you want to experience something of like what Solomon did? Well, then we need to go back to the vision of our founding fathers yeah. and build a nation. Uh, <laughs> it, re- it reminds me of the of the book of Acts where it's okay. like Luke writes it for Theophilus. Yeah. This wealthy guy who wants to know about Jesus and the church and what's mm-hmm. going on. What's the story? Yeah. And he tells him the history of the church, but for a, a, a purpose. Right. To communicate to this probably Gentile, probably wealthy person um, the story of Jesus. Yeah. And it's, it's a helpful way for me to think about Chronicles is you have this royal historian writing, you know, who's been maybe, maybe commissioned by a king yeah. to be like, hey, what's our people's story? And he's like, I can use this as an opportunity to mm-hmm. tell to t- you the, the, what you need to hear right now. Yes. <laughs> and so the hope of the book of Chronicles in its day would have been to turn the hearts of Israel's leaders to look for and install the king of David, mm-hmm. protect the temple, uh, center themselves around the priests, mm-hmm. and as they do that, trust God to do the rest. That's right. Okay. that's the Yeah, that's the message of the book of Chronicles. Okay, that's helpful. All right, so when we look at, and we haven't said this yet, actually. Okay. Chronicles is the end of the Hebrew ordering of the Bible. Yes, this is the very, very last book of the Hebrew ordering of the Bible. Yes. Uh, so, like, if if you had a if you had a Hebrew Bible in your Old Testament, you would go Chronicles, Matthew. That's right. <laughs> and so, it's a fascinating question then to ask: What, like, when we when we look at Chronicles, what does it make us expect? You know, yep. for the Messiah, for mm-hmm, mm-hmm. for Jesus to come and fill. How is Jesus? I mean, obviously, I'm going to answer the question as I say it, yeah. but we can unpack it. How is Jesus the King of David who <laughs> centers Israel around a priesthood, right? So that there's peace on every side. Yeah, I mean, biologically, right. uh, Jesus is descended from yeah. David. He is a son of David. It is fascinating. Um, you like open up your your Hebrew Old Testament, your Hebrew Bible, yeah. And at the end, you you'd be like, okay, here's Chronicles, and, and I'm gonna, and it starts with a genealogy. Okay, let me turn to my New Testament genealogy again, yeah. and this one points to Jesus. We talked in our Matthew episodes about how the life of Jesus maps onto the history of Israel. Yes, right, right. And I think Matthew takes a lot of his cues from the Book of Chronicles, mm. and I think the reason why Chronicles, and we can talk about that in a second, but okay. the reason why Chronicles is at the end of the Hebrew ordering of the Bible mm-hmm. because it's a summary of Israel's entire history, mm. functionally. Right. It begins in Adam, right. and the book of Chronicles, the last words of the book of Chronicles are when King Cyrus sends Israel out of exile back into Israel right. to what, do what? Rebuild their temple, to refocus their efforts yep. around the priesthood. And they're like, okay, um, that's where we are now. And that's where we are now. Yeah. So like the end of the book tells you also the main point of the book, which is you have a, a king, a foreign king, 
acting like a son of David. Because he's listening to God's voice. He's listening to God's voice. And yep. he's sending Israel back to do what? To rebuild their temple. Yep. To reinstitute and center their nation around the priesthood. Right. He's acting like a good king of David, even though he's a Gentile, mm. which is very fascinating. Yeah, because when you read Ezra and Nehemiah, they're very focused on finding and identifying the real priestly line. That's right. And reinstating it. That's right. And so, yeah, that's fascinating. Uh, but yeah, and then so we turn over to Matthew, though, and Matthew... Yeah structures his book oh. the same way Chronicles does. It begins with a genealogy, mm -hmm. um, and then it ends with Jesus saying, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, therefore right. go, making disciples of all nations, uh, teaching them to obey my commandments. Jesus is acting like Cyrus. That's right. <laughs> and Matthew is very intentional with how he words it to yeah. make sure you know that Jesus is quoting Cyrus. Mm. In the same way that Israel is supposed to go back and build the temple, mm -hmm. We, as God's new generation of believers, are called to go out and build temples in others by mm. teaching them to do what? Obey God's commands, listen to his voice, mm. and experience the rest that comes from building not a kingdom, but a kingdom not of this world. Right. Temples that reside in us. Okay, hold on. Because <laughs> so, I'm going to say something, yeah. and it feels heretical. Okay. <laughs> Which would probably means it's just good news. Get the comments ready. Get, get the YouTube comments ready. Um, no, but okay. So obviously, Jesus is the the king from the line of David yes. that Israel's been waiting for. Mm -hmm. That Chronicles sets us up to long for and know that we need. And Jesus is like, I'm here. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. I am the son of David. Okay, that is so clear. Yes, easy peasy. But then, how does he center it around priests when most of his um, in, engagement with the temple system is rather negative. Right. But it, it, what you've just said, like, blows my mind because he's going to form a kingdom that's centered around priests, but like Peter and others tell us, it's the priesthood of all believers. That yeah. everyone all who priests. submits themselves to King Jesus, the son of David, becomes a priest mm -hmm. and is then able to listen to God's voice sing it out into the world and build little temples, outposts of God's kingdom all yeah. over the world until there's peace on every side. Yeah. I'm just like, that is just too cool. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Oh, I mean, what uh, else are you seeing there? Uh, are you, do you have a question about Jesus's interactions with the temple? Uh, not, not now I do. Well, you, you said it was like, <laughs> well, Jesus is super critical of the temple. Yeah. And like, I was just like, it didn't seem like he was like super, um, excited about the tribe of Levi when he shows up. Right. So, which is what I chose the word carefully. It's mm. like not centered around the temple. Yep. Centered around the priesthood. The priesthood. And in particular, the voice of God in the yes. temple singers and the forgiveness offered in sacrifices. Right. The, those are the two primary functions right. of the priesthood that Chronicles focuses on. Right. Because those are the things that Israel, more important than the temple, mm -hmm. those are the things that Israel must focus on. Listening to God's voice and forgiving sins. Right, which is why when God, when David says, I want to build a house for you, God's like, I've never asked for that. Mm -hmm. I don't live in houses. That, I, I can do these I, things. I exist in the highest heavens. I, I don't need this thing. Yeah. Building and rebuilding the temple was an incidental feature of listening to God's voice mm. and centering a kingdom around forgiveness. Right. And in a very like, common sense way if you're building a nation you want a symbol of what your nation is all about yeah totally you want to center you want a grand symbol right proving that you have built yourself around the forgiveness of sins right. the substitution of a king for his people and listening to the voice of god right and uh, the temple Amer provides yeah, that yeah america wants uh, the statue of liberty right bring me your huddled masses that's we're a melting pot that's right yeah that so you want a symbol like that right, so right. in in one sense the temple is good it's a symbol yes but it's a symbol of what god truly desires and if it and if the symbol becomes the focus right you it obfuscates the That's real right. thing that you need to be seeing which is listening to the voice of right. god and offering forgiveness of sins which through sacrifice which is exactly jesus's critique of the temple system of the pharisees yes you focus so much on the temple you've forgotten justice you've forgotten mm. mercy you're, you're not for, hearing god's voice you're not hearing god's voice right and then what does he do as the ultimate act of that builds a new temple. He sacrifices he himself. Goes to the threshing floor like David. Yeah, he does. And like God, yeah. And crazily enough, like twice, God prevents Abraham the father from killing his son mm -hmm. and David the father of a nation right. from killing himself for others until God himself comes right. to sacrifice himself for his people to build 
the final temple in all of right. us. And whenever people call out, oh, save yourself, come off the tree, do another Abraham moment. Yeah. He doesn't. He doesn't. Yeah, he dies. Yeah. He sought, he, uh, he offers the sacrifice for his nation like David said he would he would do. Yes. Jesus actually does it and makes us priests <laughs> to bring peace on every side. Yeah. Oh, it's too good. The uh, You can also see the genealogy okay. as communicating the same fact that we're all supposed to be a kingdom of priests. Oh, how? Um, so whenever God spoke to Moses and they first built the tabernacle, uh-huh. he's there was this hope that the entire nation would be a holy nation mm-hmm. and a kingdom of priests into our God. That was yeah. that was a hope of right. what Israel would be. Right. Peter's quoting yes. God talking to Moses. That's right. When and he calls so you us have this genealogy where you have past Israel, present Israel, mm-hmm. the kings of Israel, the tribes of Israel, all huddled around and in a sense protecting the priesthood. Mm. And the protection of the temple is actually a priestly task. Only certain types of Levites were actually called to protect and guard That's the temple. Right. Yes. But the genealogy is structured in such a way that it seems like past, present, kings, peasants are all protecting mm. and preserving the institution of God's forgiveness yes. and listening to God's voice. Like a fortified mountain. Like a fortified mountain. Like a like a mountain's feet protect its peak. Yes. All of Israel were was protecting the priesthood. The holy nation, mm. a kingdom of priests. So yeah, yeah, we've been set up for this. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Man, that is cool. That's the book of Chronicles. Okay, that's the book of Chronicles. It's yeah, a king of a, a son of <laughs> when David. A son of David centers Israel around the priesthood. God's people get rest. That's really helpful. I love that. Next episode, I'd like to like chart David's rise to power okay. and like the uncritiqued reign of Solomon and talk about that a little bit more. Okay. And then there might be another episode where we walk through some of the case studies oh, of yes. kings failing and succeeding to center the kingdom around the priesthood. Well, great. And then I also want to talk about a little bit more about Cyrus and oh, yeah. uh, why Matthew ends his gospel the same way Chronicles yeah, does. That's, that's very why fascinating. Why Jesus quotes Cyrus. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's fascinating. Okay, well, I'm excited to keep going through Chronicles with you and hope you guys can continue to join us as we go through Chronicles. Yes, please. Thank you for uh, jumping in to this, as Seth said, the 65-chapter uh, black hole in his <laughs> yeah. Bible. Um, hopefully it won't be that for you any longer. So continue to walk through this book with us. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Spoken Gospel Podcast. Spoken Gospel creates short films, devotionals, and podcasts like this one. Everything we make is free because of generous supporters like you. To see our resources, visit SpokenGospel.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel. Thanks for listening. See you next time.